Hi, everyone. This is Mary Herod from NUA again, uh, and I am joined once again by James Abraham. We also have Kevin Street with us today. Kevin has rich experience as a consumer representative and peer worker, and he's been on the ministry's Consumer Reference Council, as well as the Medically Supervised Injecting Center's Consumer Action Group. Kevin is also a member of the team at the NUA Needle and Syringe Program. Welcome, James and Kevin. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Uh, in this episode, we're going to look at the findings of a deep dive NUA did into the attitudes of people who use drugs into healthcare. What was good care and what left people feeling not so good? We interviewed 36 people from across the state and from all walks of life. There were a few common themes, but the most important finding was that good clinical care is the same for people with lived or living experience of drug use as it is for everyone else. It's person-centered care. People who have lived or living experience of drug use often feel they're reduced to that dr their drug and alcohol issues with other healthcare needs ignored. When people feel seen and heard, they can develop trusting relation and collaborative relationships with their healthcare providers. Kevin, um, we actually interviewed you for that report. Uh, can you give us an example of when you received great healthcare and what made it great? Um, it was quite a few years ago now. It was my, my local GP. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of background to it. I had a very severe back injury uh, from an accident uh, 10 years ago now. And um, I had an issue where uh, a nerve in my back, in my spinal column was being stimulated by a protruding disc and um, it was causing some excruciating pain. Now, I knew I had to see a doctor about this because I couldn't take more than five steps without buckling over and, you know, it was really hurting. I not only wanted the pain to go away, but I wanted to get a deeper understanding of what was going on. Anyway, I spoke to one of my neighbours who, um, he was a member of a 12-step fellowship, so he, he sent me over to this doctor. He said, this doctor, she has a very good understanding of people who have his words were problematic drug use or problematic uh, alcohol abuse. And um, so she understands where we're coming from. So I, I took a punt and went over and um, saw her and presented there and um, was quite honest and open about my, uh, my, my over three decades of intravenous drug use um, because I just wanted to be open and honest. I was sick of hiding in the, in the shadows all the time. Every time I went to a doctor, I wanted to be sort of, not out and proud, but I just wanted to let her know that, okay, yes, I had a history of, of drug use. Uh, that day when I was seeing her, I'd actually been abstinent from my drug of choice for, for quite a few months. So I, I wasn't there seeking drugs. And I, I think one of the things I said to her is, oh, I'm not here looking for drugs because I know where to get drugs. I'm here. I'm here to see a doctor. I'm here to get an understanding of what's going wrong with my body and if it involves some pain medication, so be it. But let's try and get to the bottom of it. And um, she was actually a pretty good doctor. She she looked at my my history, um, went straight to the problem. She said, Kevin, the issue, the pain was manifesting in my leg. And I thought it was had something to do with my artificial hip, but it wasn't. It was uh, the nerve in my backbone. And she was the one that nailed it. She said, look, I'm going to send you off with some scans now. Uh, I want you to go down and get your back scan and come straight back to me. And I went and did that. And she said, I can see what's causing the excruciating pain. And um, 
and she treated me. She, she treated the injury. She treated the problem rather than treating the fact that I was a uh, intravenous drug user or previous intravenous drug user. And she actually wrote me a script for some um, quite heavy narcotics to deal with the pain. But um, when she did that, we had a conversation around, you know, like um, how I should uh, how I should take them, how uh, I should keep the dose as low as possible, and um, we just had a you know good, open, honest conversation, you know, about being on narcotic pain relief. I just lucked out with a really good doctor, and I was um. Yeah, yes. I mean, you also got a reference from one of your peers, which is a really important kind of tool that we have in in seeking medical care. Um, do you have an example of what was a less great experience? Um, yes, same injury, but I was uh, up uh, in, um, it flared up when I was up at, at a French place up in Armadale and uh, I went to Armadale District Hospital with the, um, with the same problem and they looked at my previous history because they could see I'd been prescribed um, opiates beforehand and I just got really, it was just really shoddy service. They didn't investigate. They just, um, they gave me a handful of meds and sent me on my way and said, you'll, you'll have to, you know, see a doctor down in Sydney. We can't do anything here for you right now. And I could just tell I was being judged on my previous opiate use. Um, they probably thought I was there just to get, you know, just to get a handful of pills. And I wasn't, I was in excruciating pain and it was quite uncomfortable and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a young kid anymore. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm senior citizen. Yeah, uh, that's another great example, James. Um, so, what do you see as crucial in providing person-centered care? Okay, good question. I guess, um, I guess there's a couple of things. Um, uh, one is bringing the patient agenda into the consultation. You know, um, and and recognize. Look, the clinician's got an agenda too. You know, and, and sometimes I even say that overtly, like new patients. Okay, first ten minutes, my agenda. I need to know the background and stuff here, and then let's get into what you've come for today. So, um, but just understanding that you know, um, they're, you know, bringing their agenda into the consultation because they've come to you for a reason. Like um, what Kevin was talking about, he came because of back pain, not because of the. Um, history of uh, previous opiate or injecting drug use. So um, um, often, you know, um, maybe because of previous, uh, previous experiences or, you know, um, negative presuppositions, we might um, reduce someone to their um, drug, or drug or alcohol use disorder, you know, um, and, and that can be really damaging to their engagement with the health system. And, you know, Luckily, Kevin found a good GP that, you know, was open to this because maybe if he didn't and he went to two or three and then it was just, you know, no good, um, he might have been looking to self-medicate, you know, um, using the drugs that he can get uh, otherwise directly, you know, and, that, and that, that could have been much more damaging and detrimental to his health rather than getting the appropriate clinical treatment. I think another aspect of personalised care is... Um, or um, person-centered care would be um, our approach to, to patients when they do come, just making sure that we are offering really high quality medical care. Um, so, you know, uh, not, not just addressing the presenting complaint, but think about the whole context, um, the social context that that's in. 
um, the the you know even the sort of family context that this person's presenting in it's difficult it does take time often it's needing um, needing to be addressed over several consultations but I think when someone comes in with one thing and you know that it's connected to many others um, inviting them to sort of do what we can to address those others or exploring their approach to it yeah right Kevin do you have any thoughts on what James just said or um, anything to add there uh, Michael, look, I quite agree with what he said. I just that when I went and saw my particular doctor, and I'll just give you her first name. Her name is Sharina. She um, she took the time to actually sort of study my notes and and that that I was able to bring with me to the consultation, and and had a good look, looked at that sort of holistic approach to what was going on with my body, and um, she even did things like you know took my blood pressure at that point in time and asked about my diet and um, took some bloods for cholesterol and stuff just did a full a full health check workup um, whilst I was there attending uh, you know, to a particular issue she decided to to do what a doctor should do in the you know in the in the beginning with our first consultation take a a good you know, medical history and um, do you have you found that experience has helped you look after your health? Uh, you know, are you, you know, is it supporting you to look after the other things that happen that are completely outside your injecting drug use? Well, most definitely, Mary. I go back to Serena around my, um, like I was a kid that lived in the western suburbs of Sydney, so I have a lot of skin cancer issues. Um, I have rheumatoid arthritis where I, um, have artificial hip and I'm you know, on a waiting list for another one. So, you know, Serena is my, uh, my point of care go-to around those things. Um, as I said, I'm like a, a I'm 66 year old man. You know, I have to look at cholesterol. I have to look at uh, blood pressure. I have to look at sort of possible heart diseases and stuff. And, and I go to her because she is a doctor and I'm her patient. And she treats me with dignity and respect. And um, even though I have a long history of IV drug use, she doesn't she doesn't bring that into the conversation. Uh, once it came up, and she asked me about my hepatitis C status, and I was able to say, "Look, I've been treated for it. You know, I'm I'm quite okay, and I regularly monitor that." And, and that was actually quite striking in the report that um, some people described experiences where everything that they went to a health practitioner was referred back to their drug use, whether it was relevant or not, and how they really appreciated someone that just said, okay, like that only, only brought it up when it was relevant to the health issue. I mean, James, what are some of the challenges in actually offering this care? Like we know that working in, in a GP practice can be a very challenging environment uh, for a lot of reasons. So what do you think some of the key challenges are and do you have any advice on overcoming them? Oh, look, no, no doubt the, the primary challenge at the current, in the current climate in general practice is time. I mean, we are just so under the pump and finding it so difficult to meet our current patient needs. You know, um, it's really sad to hear when you're your regular patient that, you know, you're managing their heart disease or something like that and their heart disease flares up, but you know, because they called reception and you're fully booked, they had to go to a hospital or a medical center or something like that, where you know they they didn't understand the context and they didn't know the history and 
it was managed, you know, in a, in a not, not as informed way. So time pressure is a real killer for GPs at the moment. And I, I think um, I'd come back again to just, you know, um, recognizing that these are aspects of medical care that you want to be addressing with your patient. And whilst, um, whilst you may not be able to do that all in the one consultation, just bring, bringing them back and notifying them that, you know, this is really important to me that we do a good job of managing your physical health as well. And so please do follow up for these items like, you know, to review, you know, the, you know, um, cancer screening activities like, you know, breast cancer, you know, bowel cancer screening, pap smears, that kind of stuff, as well as, you know, skin checks, you know, um, things like that, which we'd offer um, anyway, as part of our standard, you know, good quality bread and butter general practice. And I think so much is asked of GPs. Um, we're expected to be so many different things, um, but, and, and, and not everyone has an interest in alcohol or other drugs and not any, everyone has experience in it. Um, but if you can just be their good GP, that's enough, you know, for most patients, you know, they, if, if, if you, if you, if you don't have the capacity to get into this uh, area with them and don't have clinical expertise in that area or feel comfortable practicing in that area, um, just offering high quality, non-discriminatory, you know, standard general practice care is really appreciated. I think it's very refreshing um, for, for a lot of patients when, you know, when they're there. And, and just on that, it isn't, you know, still the greatest risk factor to uh, the, that population group is cardiovascular disease more than anything else, you know, mm. uh, that is causing more mortality uh, amongst um, people who use alcohol and other drugs than any other mortality cause so um addressing their cardiovascular risk looking into that having those conversations checking cholesterol blood pressure managing their metabolic risk their blood sugars etc um it's our core business you know that's what we're good at it's what we 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 have expertise in that um and i think it's really refreshing to, for a patient to see a gp going to those preventative measures and not being entirely fixated on the history or current you know um alcohol or drug use if the patient is not at a stage where they're wanting to have that addressed at that point in time. Um, yeah. yeah. And there is research, um, quite recent research that says that the lifespan of uh, people who use alcohol and other drugs is considerably lower than the rest of the population um, by as much as 15 years in men, I think. And, and that you've hit the nail on the head. And that is one of the reasons it's not, necessarily drug use it's uh you know the same things that uh affect everybody else like heart disease um so that's a, a really crucial point is actually um having confidence in your strengths as a gp uh and not not seeing a drug user seeing a person in front of you uh is is a really key to having um, great healthcare. Kevin, is there anything that you want to add to this discussion about um, any advice that you want to give to general practitioners around uh, what makes a great experience and um, some of the things that James is saying above uh, before about uh, um, you know just focusing on health. I mean, I, I can tell that that's a, a, something that you've really appreciated in your general practitioners. Do you have uh, anything that 
you would like to add to that? Um, I just back up the fact that it is refreshing when I walk into that doctor surgery that I'm treated as Kevin, a uh, mature aged man who's there um, to go through all his standard health checks. Um, I do appreciate the fact that I'm um, I'm treated as a mature age person and not a not someone who's abused drugs for most of their life. Um, that doesn't come into the conversation whatsoever, um, unless it's around a, a, a symptomatic thing like I, I have um, a particular issue with my lungs right now, and I think that may have had to do with a whole lot of uh, incorrect filtering of pharmaceutical opioids I was using back in the. Uh, 10, 15 years ago now, but that's just something I'll have to, to address. I like the fact that um, the language that my doctor uses is real person-centered. It's, it's just how I am, um, what's going on for me that day, um, just things like that. Just treats me as a, treats me as a human being and it just really seems to sort of care about Kevin the patient, you know, Kevin, my my patient, you know, he's here seeking my help um, and I'll give it to him. I just feel really blessed that I have found a doctor who, um, who actually is a doctor who cares. Uh, and I, I can um, testify from my own personal experience that wherever I go, Kevin is there like participating and he is like very active and involved and, you know, uh, you always seem like you're in great health to me, Kevin. Um, so that all of that is really working for you. Uh, James, do you have any final reflections on what Kevin's been saying or any final words of advice? You've just I really you. um, look, appreciate what, you know, what Kevin shared. And I think it's um, um, of the different topics we've spoken about, this one is the easiest for the GP. You know, this is us just doing what we do best. And, uh, and um, but, but in order to do that, we need to see them for a, the whole person. It, it often does come down to like a time management issue, uh, an appointment booking issue. Uh, and it's very hard to offer that kind of care if we're under significant time pressure. So just sort of, you know, um, and, and, and demand has never been higher on us. So um, I think it, it'd, it'd be great for patients to have a good understanding that, you know, we may need to take uh, a couple of appointments to get through an issue. We might not be able to address everything on the same day, um, but, you know, um, just that reassurance that, you know, whilst GPs are expected to be everything, um, in this instance, high quality medical care is just what we do. And, and that's, our, that's our core business. And so really, uh, it's nice to hear, I guess, um, the consumer voice, uh, especially from Kevin saying, you know, I didn't need my GP to be uh, a whiz-bang drug and alcohol expert. I'm just really stoked that they were a good GP. And they treated me uh, like they'd treat any of their other patients. And, uh, and that's so reassuring, you know, because it's something we can definitely achieve right now. Yeah, it's it's very heartening because it makes these issues seem uh, like ones that can be tackled. You know, sometimes you hear the statistics around stigma and discrimination and you read the research and you feel a bit hopeless about it becoming better. But um, this discussion is actually 
given me a lot of hope that this isn't a more complicated issue. Uh, it's actually quite a simple one, and it's really focusing not only on patients as people, but GPs, uh, and and looking at at their strengths. And you know, it's sort of a very strength based uh, approach to how to deliver great care. So thank you. Um, James and Kevin. That was a really great discussion, and I look forward to the next one. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Kevin.